Welcome to the Goal Crazy Podcast. We explore what it takes to reach your crazy goals. I'm your host, Jason Vandeveer, and together we're going to learn to take life to the next level in Goal Crazy. Let's get started. All right. Hello. Welcome back to the next episode of the Goal Crazy Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have with me John Walker. John is the co-founder of a really neat brewing company, Athletic Brewing, which has created a a non-alcoholic beer that tastes really good. Actually, a whole bunch of (laughs) non-alcoholic beers that taste really good. And they've just taken off. I imagine if you go to your local grocery store or whether it's your liquor store or wherever you get your beers normally from, they're probably there if you're in the United States. But John, thanks for coming on here today with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. Yeah. And you're from, remind me again, South Carolina? No, I'm actually from Connecticut. But as you well know, have some roots in Ohio. Right, right. Yeah. John is actually my, uh, it's funny, I've had like a number of people who have some connection from me through my family <laughs> the past couple episodes. But so John's aunt is also my aunt, but uh, we're nephews on different sides of the family. Yes, but, indeed. Um, Un- unbeknownst to you and I at the time, I think I've, <laughs> I've, yeah. I've play- played in your fields in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. So uh, did you always know that you wanted to be a beer brewer? Like when you were a kid, is that what you 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 wanted to be? Did you want to be a business owner? Was that always kind of an inspiration of yours? No, I I grew up um, in family restaurants, like physically as well as kind of spiritually. Um, (laughs) My my family was always in the family restaurant business and we participated in those those businesses. Um, I was making salads since I was eight years old and you know our christmas eves were busy it was the like the busiest night of the year and my whole family was working the restaurant and so i think that my whole life i had food and beverage ingrained in my in my mind and i never thought to leave it although my parents continuously urged me to get out of food and beverage and say <laughs> don't don't do that go to college uh it's especially restaurants it's a hard life. It's not a hard life. It's a very enjoyable life and very fun, but it's extremely hard work. And yeah. as you know, if, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you have got to be ready to work because mm-hmm. you are the one that's going to make it all happen when, you know, shortfalls happen and people don't show up and if you have a dream and you believe in it, then you're going to do everything in your power to make sure it succeeds. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you were working there at the family business. They were recommending not to work there. Do you feel like that's what having a family business, did that make you curious about having a business of your own one day? Or did it kind of, did you take your, like internally, were you taking your parents' advice and saying, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have a, a normal, a more normal career? I was kind of inspired by the idea of having my own business and also being in the restaurant industry or some sort of food and beverage industry because I saw like great community and family Mm -hmm. that is in those industries and the people that you go and work with every day. And it's like a grind, you know, there's like the warm up in the setup and then there's the grind, which is the rush and then the cool off. And so you get to experience your family every day and in all of their capacities. And it was kind of fun and very dynamic and time goes by fast when you're really busy. And so it made, it made work kind of fun and it's social and seeing their ability to 
kind of design their future and mm-hmm. execute things according to their vision was exciting to me, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in, in retrospect. Yeah, that's neat. Now, you have kids also, right? I do. Yeah. Do you think they'll be involved in the family business? Or do you think uh, this really won't be run like that? I don't know. I mean, Oren has expressed interest from his youth to be in some sort of food and or beverage industry. And he loves flavors and eating and tasting. And he's a wonderful Mm -hmm. taster. And so I I could see that happening. My daughter, if we can channel her energy in the right direction, will probably be a president or something. Okay. Very nice. Okay. So you were working in the family business. You learned a lot there. Uh, Sounds like you get a really good work ethic from being in the family business and the food industry. Did you work there for a while as you became an adult or did you go to college kind of setting out on a new direction? What kind of happened next? Um, Yeah, I, what did I do? I kind of bounced back in and out of the restaurant. We had a Mm -hmm. restaurant and then we owned a cafe. So I was working in there periodically up through the time that I was 22, I suppose, 21. Um, And then then I kind of moved out and finished college and continued my restaurant experience elsewhere. Okay. So when I worked for another place, is that when you got involved with breweries for the first time after that? Or were you in the restaurant industry for a while before you got started? Yeah, no, I was in all other facets of food and beverage (laughs) Okay, up up until 2011 when my now wife and good friend John Frazier recommended that I take his current assistant brewing job because he was going to go get his PhD. And he was like, oh, you're going to love working with this guy, Rod. He's awesome. You're going to love brewing. And that was when, at that age, I had just decided I will never get in food and beverage again. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm over. It's done. I started, yeah. a, I started a blacksmithing and welding business. And I was right. like, this is it. Yeah. And then, and then. What brought you to that point? What was like, put you to that tipping point? I don't know exactly what it was. I kind of wanted to start something different. I hadn't experienced anything else Mm-hmm. really. Um, and there were a number of other, you know, creative endeavors that were exciting to me. And what's interesting, and again, kind of the retrospective is more interesting than it is presently sometimes. A lot of what I really disliked about food and beverage or struggled with was the presence of a lot of alcohol. And it all revolved mm-hmm. around alcohol and sales of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, and it never felt great. Mm-hmm. And it never like sat well. And you know, then I was introduced to brewing and that changed a little bit because it was like going back to school and learning chemistry in a way that was appealing and fun and exciting. And the brewing community was a little bit different in that it was very warming and collaborative and everybody was encouraging each other to just do their best and how to make this thing great. And everybody was more of an art. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, that was really exciting. And so I kind of like, I lost the the emptiness of just kind of slinging booze and mm-hmm. warmed up to the creative aspects in creating wonderful liquids. Mm. Now, okay, so at the time you were running these and they kind of seek you out to take this brewery position. Why, what do you think they saw in you that made you the person that they wanted to join their organization? I don't mind being hot, being cold. I show up on time. <laughs> yeah. Don't complain. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Put your head down. Focus. Yeah. 
I mean, I think one of the things, especially in a brewery, um, you need to, it's kind of like a, a very sacred environment to those who built it. And, mm. you know, people just like running a restaurant, running a brewery is really, you know, a, a passion project. And it's not always the most rewarding or fruitful industry, but people are happy because they're happy with what they're doing. And so I think more than anything, we saw a compatibility between me and the other folks that work there. And, you know, I think reliability is important, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So you went there and you feel like you saw a big shift in the culture from your normal restaurant to a brewery. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just, it was very laid back, easygoing, friendly, you know, that's kind of like the front of the house vibe. And mm -hmm. uh, that was nice. And then the back of the house vibe was very detail oriented structured, you know, things have to get done a certain way, but you're doing it yourself. And mm -hmm. it was all about, you know, being efficient and being excellent. And mm -hmm. those are things that I think if you're self-driven are, are very fun. Interesting. Now, did you, were you able to learn this stuff on the go or did you have to actually go back to school to start learning how to be a brewer? I learned well, it all yeah. on, on the go. I know how my brain works. And so I mm -hmm. kind of, I brought my notebooks and, you know, I, I took notes and then I deciphered those notes from the chicken <laughs> scratch into more organized notes. And then yeah. when I felt I was done with my training, I then decoded the notes again into like a very neat format. And that, and yeah. that's how I learned. Yeah. Kind of the repetition of going through it several times, organizing your own thoughts. That's yep. good. Okay. So you worked for this guy for a little while and were you there for years? Was that a pretty big portion of your career? Yep. Yeah. I was with second street in Santa Fe for the better part of seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then did athletic brewing come next or did you go, how'd that come about? So Bill, the original founder who I'm the co-founder mm -hmm. to, he had this at the time wacky far-fetched idea to create a non-alcoholic brewery that made non-alcoholic beer A, taste good, and B, made people feel good and proud to carry it and drink it. Where did that and idea come from? Is, it, it was is a, he an athlete? Is that kind of where it came from for himself? He, he's an athlete. You know, I mean, he grew up as an athlete, and he's, you know, let's call him a weekend warrior. He loves being active, hiking, works out every day, but not necessarily competitive. He was, you know, living a wonderful life as a successful trader at one of the busiest hedge funds in the world. and he cut out drinking one month just to see what his, his life would be like. And mm -hmm. he loved the feeling. He loved what he was able to accomplish mm -hmm. with alcohol absent. Mm -hmm. And all of the things that he was trying to get done and all of the things that he was doing were all 10 times better. And he felt great and he was able to do more. And he was hungry for more. But he loved craft beer. And he was tired of ordering from the kids menu when he was going out to dinner with all of his colleagues at these business dinners. And, you know, if the greatest thing you can order is a Coke, you know, it's not that it's not wonderful. And um, more often than not, you know, not that long ago, when you ordered a non-alcoholic beer at a bar, like the, the speakers went off, everybody stared at you. Yeah. And it was like, what, what's wrong with this guy? And, um, yeah. you know, so it came out of a, an authentic need and want for a delicious beer and to change the perception. And as he was kind of thinking about it and doing the math, keep in mind he's an analyst and thinking about the, the economics of it, 
he recognized the the impact that he could make in the world. You know, there are so many people diagnosed and undiagnosed with alcoholism. It's, yeah. you know, the number three leading cause of death and contributes to number one and two. And, you know, if you can make a positive impact there, it's wonderful. And then as we started discussing more and more, as we evolve the business, you know, we make contributions elsewhere and make a huge positive impact in mm-hmm. other segments as well. But to answer your question, it came out of a, a need and a want from his life originally. Yeah, that's neat. I feel like, uh, yeah, and there's probably a lot of people that can relate to, I know like if me and my wife, we don't drink a lot, but it's like sometimes maybe there's something special and we'll like, I mean, you can say this is weak, but we'll like split a white claw at dinner, right? Mm-hmm. We'll like spill it in glasses, but it's even at uh, the night, the next morning, it's like, I just feel more tired than I normally would if I didn't have that, right? Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, if I'm going out and grabbing a drink with somebody, it's kind of like, I know that I'm just going to feel a little extra tired when I first wake up in the morning. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, I can definitely understand kind of the, the thought process he had around there. What did you think when he brought this idea to you? Did you agree with this? Like, oh yeah, this is a gold mine of an idea or were you like, Bill, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, the, the way he reached me was he, it was on a brewing forum and I was in New Mexico and he was in Connecticut and it said mm-hmm. the most innovative sector in craft based in Connecticut. And I was like, well, I love craft beer. I love innovation and we want to be in Connecticut to be near family. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know, this is winning. Well, that's how we pitched. This is the most innovative yeah. craft and brewing. So Very nice. Keep in mind that he had, he had evolved that message over the course of, you know, maybe six months after lots of rejection. Yeah. Um, because brewing non-alcoholic beer was like not cool. And how do you know Bill? How did you know? Did you know him well before this? I didn't know him at all. I met him through that, through that forum. Oh. Hmm. So he, we got on the phone after I sent over my inquiry and he was like, don't hang up. Let me just tell you about this thing. Hmm. Like, please don't hang up. And then, you know, he ran through the process and he was like, you know, don't answer now. Think about it over the weekend. We'll talk on Monday. And, um, but I remember as he was describing it, it made sense to me. And I think, you know, that's because of my relationship with the food and beverage industry and my feelings, you know, that I was experiencing when I was in that business, it did hit home. And then the idea of creating something that nobody had thought to create before was exciting. So, you know, I love a challenge. So that was invigorating. Okay. So you, uh, it wasn't like a big internal battle to get yourself on board with this. It's a dots kind of connected in your head. Yep. Yeah, no, it it made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Now, when he was reaching out, was he just at a point where he was kind of desperate to find any brewer who would get on the phone and hear about this? Or was there something particular about your resume that was like, this is what I believe qualifies John for this idea? Yeah. So he had received a number of inquiries before that uh, most met with rejection. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to not think of myself as the last one. But um, yeah. per, perhaps I was, but yeah. that's okay. And what, you know, I, I'm i not great at, but what Bill's great at sharing is that I did have some accolades under my belt um, in terms of like World Beer Cup and Great American Beer Festival, you know, doing really well on the national level in terms of making quality products. And so I, I did have the skill set that he was looking for. And mm-hmm. I was also interested in what he was doing. So I think it, it did fit the bill. Yeah. So you would at that point, you already had had success with brewing that you had beers that had hit a national level more than just your local brewery. 
uh, not distributed, but won awards at, you know, the national, okay. the most renowned national competitions, if you will. Okay. Well, oh, that's impressive. Yeah. So you really taught yourself how to brew it. And how long did it take you? You were there seven years at that first brew company and you just really were able to dive into it and learn yeah. it very quickly. Yeah. That's the fun part about brewing is you can call up all your, you know, other local breweries, go down for the day and pick their brain about what they're doing and just mm -hmm dive in as much as you want and I definitely you know it took some initiative on my end but i certainly can't say that i learned on my own because it was a, a wonderful community that was very willing to share all of their experiences with me to to help me grow that's interesting yeah so it's a very welcoming community there's enough people to drink beer i can give you tips you can find people to drink your beer while yep. still have enough people to drink my beer yeah mm -hmm. hmm. now did he come up with by the time he was talking to you about that conversation, did he already have the name Athletic Brewing picked out? Or did he was he still trying to figure out that vision for it? He did have the name already. They had just wrapped up the round. There were a couple partners of ours that precede me. You know, one of them is our, our wonderful general counsel to this day, Richard. He's incredible. And then also our creative partner in Boston, their name is Fairfolk. And so Fairfolk and Bill had kind of workshopped a bunch of names and the one athletic was early on the chopping block and so after they had gone through the whole naming process they kind of revisited some of the early ones that were cast out and mm -hmm. after going through the process the the name athletic just made perfect sense to bill mm -hmm. and team yeah well i think it's kind of like you talked about it explains your vision a little bit with the name right this is a beer for athletes and now it's still cool to drink a non-alcoholic beer, right? There's there's a purpose behind it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we, we like to say that everyone's an athlete in their own right. Athleticism can be in the mind. It can be physical. It can be dexterity. It can be any number of things. And more than anything, athletics is a very inclusive vibe and thing. It's mm -hmm. like everybody can participate. We want everybody to feel welcome and like it's great to be here and it's fun and exciting yeah i really like the name athletic brewing so when you guys were talking about this was your original plan to kind of start just kind of like your like local microbrewery to start this out or was it kind of like we're going to do this and we're going to try this on a really big scale first you know there was some structured outlook on what a larger future could look like yeah but it didn't necessarily include us owning all of our manufacturing ourselves mm -hmm. and doing everything ourselves. And so mm -hmm. we built our original brewery that was, you know, slated to do about 5,000 barrels a year. A barrel is 31 gallons. And we thought that brewery was going to take us to year five mm -hmm. and that we would probably do some co-packaging out, you know, in the world with some other breweries and have production in various states and kind of distribute from those other regions. Yeah. And as we got deeper into our process and our, you know, recognizing what we needed to make a wonderful product, we recognized that we need to own our process through and through. And that includes producing and managing quality all the way from procuring the ingredients all the way to consumption. And so we evolved the business plan considerably over the past five years because uh, now we had a 5,000 barrel a year brewery. We doubled that within the first nine months. And to date, we have 
two breweries that are capable of doing about 170,000 barrels a year each. Oh, that's a lot of beer. It is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild. Okay, so let's let's go back a little bit on the story there. So so he reaches out to you on this forum. You have this conversation and then uh like eventually you have enough conversations that you say I'm going to quit my other job and go start this brewery with you. Right? Yep. Okay. And then was that easy to leave your other job or after 7 years of I don't know, was that hard? Yeah, it was it was really hard for a variety of reasons. I love Second Street Brewery. I love the people. I love Rod, who was my mentor, and you know, he's the brewmaster um, who taught me just an incredible amount. And we had just finished building this brand new brewery, and I was really excited. We we're going to run this new brewery, and we we're going to start producing on a larger scale and packaging. And so that was challenging. But the, you know, the concept and Bill himself at Athletic were very exciting, and also it was. You know, it was for my family. We wanted to be in Connecticut to be closer to my family for our kids. And that was one of the biggest motivating factors that it made a challenging decision easier to execute. Yeah. Okay. So it was, uh, I mean, you were really interested in the idea. You were interested in the challenge of tackling this, right? Making non-alcoholic beer taste good. But uh, it just really aligned with your family's plans at the time. To it, it- yeah. Yeah. And I, in meeting Bill, I recognized that like my friend and my wife thought I would get along in the second street environment. I felt Mm -hmm. like I could get along with Bill for a long time and do this together. And when you're doing something like that and you're thinking about your family and a partnership, finding the right partner is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. What did you see in Bill that gave you that confidence to say, I'm really willing to relocate, to move my family, to change careers and partner up on with this, with you. I mean, aside from being amazingly like, thoughtful and diligent in the business plan and model and the way he thought about all of that. He was amazingly passionate and just considerate and easygoing. And we both, you know, knew that we could communicate well to each other calmly in times of stress, because, you know, running a business can be stressful. And, you know, finding someone who's level headed is not always easy. And I think we recognize that in each other and so we're able to easily just say, yes, this will work. So then uh, you guys start tackling this project of making the non-alcoholic beer taste good, right? Now, was Bill involved with that process or was he kind of like, okay, this is what your responsibility of the business is like, go to work. <laughs> yeah. So Bill had, you know, as he is diligent in everything, he had done a lot of research and work before even meeting me, you know, seeing if it was even possible to... Hmm develop a new process. And so he he had done some work that brought some like foundational elements to our starting point in brewing. And so when I joined, it was um, taking what he had learned and discovered in all of his research prior and mm-hmm. my history, and we combined the two and then started from scratch. And, you know, I was more the the day-to-day, like making the beer and kind of dialing in the process and things like that while he was doing a lot of the planning and selling and fundraising and things like that. Okay. Now, how long did that process take to, you know, from when you start with these recipes to like, okay, I have a, I have a recipe here that I'm willing to share with others and, you know, pretty close to a finished product. Yes. So a recipe, you know, we could knock out in a day, but it was a process. Mm. And that was one of the things that I liked and 
that scared me about Bill's hypothesis was like, we're going to do this a different way. And so I loved that. And we just got to work on developing a new process. And so it did take the better part of a hundred different batches brewing between an empty warehouse where we first met, you know, and signed our first lease in Stratford. We moved that up to my parents' garage at one point um, while the brewery was under construction. And Bill would come up and hand bottle some stuff and then drive them around to the stores. But yeah, it took about a year to really hone in the process and find a place where we felt we were good to scale it up. Okay. Yes. Were you ever nervous during that process of like, you know, you have some batches that just don't taste well. Is it like, wow, this was a mistake. What am I thinking (laughs) trying to make this new thing? Or was it like, you just really always had a strong confidence that this was going to work out? Uh, there, there were definitely some scary points and, you know, I was nervous that I wasn't going to be able to, to figure out a way to make it work, to make it scalable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause I knew like the hopes and dreams to be big were out there and to do that, you can't just be thinking about, you know, what it's going to be like if you're going to serve at your local tap room, you got to think mm-hmm. about, you know, what it's going to look like on the grand scale. You know, what happens if we want to become international is this mm-hmm. process built for that can this thing move and so that was equally terrifying but again i'll I'll channel bills channel and applaud bills kind of passion and fortitude and positive thinking just like you know we just keep moving if this doesn't work we try something else and couple that with the the scientific method and change one thing at a time and just make things work yeah now is the brew process you know i've never really brewed beer before is it very hands-on or is it kind of like you set this batch up and you kind of wait a month and then you know you make some tweaks and i know like making wine is very slow process right beer probably isn't that slow but no it's not quite as it can be as slow as wine depending on what you're making but yeah you know the the brew time for any given beer is anywhere between you know the average is like two weeks to a month it is very physical and kind of labor intensive up front, especially if you're a smaller brewer and don't have automation built in. And so, you know, you've got physically, you've got bags of grain and you've got bags of hops and you've got hot water and cold water and stairs and all sorts of stuff. So it's, it's a very active process on the initial brew day and any time that you're moving the liquid from tank to tank, because all of this requires a ton of cleaning. And brewers consider themselves glorified janitors, very proud janitors at that because we we love being clean. And then beyond the physicalities there, there's the the daily checking of all of the critical points of the product. You know, is it fermenting? What's the pH? What's the alcohol? What's What's the color? What are the bitterness units and all of that? Yeah, so it really is, yeah, it's like a... Chemistry, right? It's chemistry and probably forces a level of patience. (laughs) You have to uh, wait for things to happen. So, okay. So you're brewing this now. uh, Once you guys made this final product, did you start by kind of opening up a a local brewery that just sold non-alcoholic beer? Or did you go, was your business model to go straight to the stores? So we went straight to the stores, but we also simultaneously opened a small tap room. So we were the first brewery Non, like dedicated non-alcoholic brewery with a tap room in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of did that simultaneously in May of 2018, where we mm-hmm. opened our tap room and had a couple brews on tap. 
and then also launched with our uh, Connecticut distributor, Star Distributors, who was one of our early adopters. Hmm. Okay. And did it just really, things just took off right off the bat when this got introduced? They did kind of. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was, I think, I think it took us all by surprise a little bit. We, we knew there was an opportunity and we mm-hmm. were really excited about it, but I don't know that we knew how fast we would have to scale to keep up. And where I think once upon a time, we thought we'd have to go wider with more, you know, with less penetration in each market. We recognized the fact that there was a like literal thirst for mm-hmm. this experience and this kind of product out there in the world and that the needs of the people just hadn't been met in ages. Yeah. Interesting. How did the local brewery do? Was it like if people really adopted that concept, they would come in with their friends, get non-alcoholic beers and yeah. 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 So, you know, the brewing community is great in the sense that they share a lot of community. You know, there's mm-hmm. a, each state has their own guild and the guild does the work to kind of promote the brewing industry of that state. And so in Connecticut, we were on the, the Connecticut beer trail, which is like the local map. And so we would be a point along everybody's stop. And then also, you know, we'd get visitors from all over the U S who would come in, they'd put a thing on our map and, you know, they'd be there from Florida and be like, Oh, what are you guys doing here? Like we're here for this. It's like, Hmm. wow. And so it kind of, you know, totally blew our minds, but you know, everybody was into it. There were a lot of visitors from all over and it was exciting. That is neat. Now, why did Bill choose Connecticut? Like when he was doing, was it just convenience for where he was located or did he do research and find out like Connecticut is a really good opportunity place for this? So he and I both grew up here. And so that was helpful. And, you know, he was based here, but also the state of Connecticut at the time was very helpful in terms of fundraising. And there were some great programs for people who were willing to invest in in a business in this state. And so this state and specifically the town of Stratford were both wildly helpful in helping us get off the ground. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if the sales started to come in. They're coming in quicker than you thought. Did you guys very quickly have to move to another location, build another brewery, work on some of the next milestones that, that made your growth possible? Yes. So we doubled the capacity in our existing facility by just adding more tanks and kind of shoehorning them into place. And that was as big as that place was ever going to get. So after we started filling those tanks, Bill and I started looking for our next future home. And we had at the time, you know, we had just started, but had collected some pretty good data from our e-commerce business Mm -hmm. because we're not alcoholic. We can ship beer. And so we learned that like the West coast and the Pacific Northwest were, you know, it was a very popular area for, for athletic consumers. And so we were kind of drawn out West and then it, you know, kind of landed at our doorstep one day when we were in Colorado, that this facility in California might be available. Uh, it was already built and just needed a couple of things. And so instead of flying home to Connecticut, we continued West and saw this former Ballast Point Brewing facility in San Diego. And we spent the next like four or five hours at a coffee shop trying to figure out how to make it work. And so that was October of 2019. 
and I believe, and we finished, we commissioned that facility in April of 2020. Interesting. So did you have to move out there to get this up and running for a little while, or were you able to kind of have other brewers in place that you could teach them the process virtually? So we had, along with the building, um, we were able to hire someone, actually, a couple of folks who actually helped build that exact facility and they knew huh. how it worked already. Um, so we were really fortunate with an amazing team who are all still with us today who mm-hmm. built and ran that place before. And they helped us upgrade and helped us do it remotely. Our brewery, our now national brewing director was in Connecticut and drove out with his wife to help open that place up. And the day they landed was like the kickoff of COVID when the world mm-hmm. shut down. And so we adopted the 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 multiverse, if you will, in terms mm-hmm. of like commissioning a brewery from afar. So uh, we adopted Zoom real quick and it actually worked out really well because, you know, the, the teams could communicate on both coasts, go up to the screen, show each other pictures and help build it up over there. But uh, for the first you know, better part of six months, eight months, our team out West was rocking it out, rocking it out on their own. Wow. Were you nervous with that? I know, you know, you guys, quality is such an important thing. Was that a step you were nervous to take of having that many, that much beer brewed without you physically there? Yeah, definitely. You know, Mm -hmm. there won't be a day that goes by that we're not concerned with or thinking about quality. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it's how we live and breathe, but it's great. And, you know, I think we have faith in our team and the processes that we're building. And so that kind of sets our mind at ease. Yeah. And we were also really excited to have capacity. Now, was a big part at that point, was a big part of your sales coming through the e-commerce site? Yeah. Is that where the majority of them were? Um, not the majority, but, yeah. you know, it was a it was a meaningful part of our business for sure. Right. And, you know, continues to be. Yeah, that's interesting. So you have uh, the opportunity where other breweries, they can't do that. Right, so if you're getting an ad for, it's not like they're getting tons of ads for beers. It's like they're getting an ad for your beer and none others. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the, it actually works well with our distribution in the traditional sense, too, because people will go onto our e-commerce platform and they'll try these new beers and they'll try our, you know, our flagship beers and like, oh, this is really exciting. And then they'll find it locally or they'll right. ask for it. And then, you know, our distribution area ramps up and everybody wins yeah it's very interesting yeah because i was on your site and there was somewhere you could see like where is this sold near me and it's like oh it's sold to like all the stores <laughs> yep. um yeah so i didn't need to order it online that's pretty interesting okay so you guys opened up that plant and now is it still those are your two current plants you've got the one in california and then the the original one or do you guys have another one no um so we grew that san diego facility four times its original capacity Wow. And this past... What were you guys thinking at the time? Like, was this like, this is just unbelievable? Yeah. <laughs> people want an alcoholic beer. It was unbelievable, but, it, you know, it was a, it remains to be very exciting. Um, it's yeah. fun. And like all the while we're growing the team and growing the impact that we have. We give 2% of all sales to trail and park cleanups. We've got a community fund and, you know, that we donate 1% of our sales to to encourage diversity in the brewing community and so like all of these things are great and fun and rewarding and make you feel good about going to work yeah i saw on your site you guys have donated over 2.5 million dollars to restoring trips that's incredible 
Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was exciting and also rewarding for our team to be going through this process. It's not every day that you get to participate in growing something, A, this large and B, that quickly. And so it was challenging, but very fun. And again, our team is just amazing and cool and collected and they've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, that manufacturing plant out in California, you ended up quadrupling how much output you could get out of there. Mm -hmm. Did you have to upgrade to a bigger place or was that enough to support the demand? Yeah, that's where I was going. So this past May of 2022, Mm -hmm. we commissioned our new Connecticut facility in Milford, Connecticut, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit bigger than our San Diego facility currently. Wow. Okay. So you guys have, did you get rid of your original one or do you still have all three now? Uh, we still have it. We're not operating it currently, but our tap room is over there. We still, you know, send our pilot beers over there and, you know, we, we do little knickknack things over there. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Now with non-alcoholic beer, now that you guys are making a big presence in there, have you seen other companies also trying to do this or is this just yeah. Yeah. We, we have, you know, both on the kind of local smaller brewer to regional brewer and all the way up to macro. And, you know, we, we invite other people to participate because it's, it's challenging to build a category alone. And so mm-hmm. the more people you have helping build the entire category, the better. And, you know, yeah. the biggest thing we want to do is promote quality and food safety and make sure that the people that are building the category are doing it in in lockstep and making sure that we're doing it in a responsible and sustainable fashion. It's a really good outlook to have. It's not like, yeah, they're they're entering into your territory. It's the, yeah, if they do really well, we're all just going to do better. More people are going to be interested in non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, when when I started, when we started um, at non-alcoholic beer was 0.3% of the total U.S. beer market. At that same time in Europe, let's say Spain was 17%. German, Germany was 11%. And this is a, Were they better at making good tasting non-alcoholic beers there? People there just weren't as picky as Americans? Um, <laughs> Lots that, of different things. It's, it's more about culture and stigma um, mm-hmm. and, and responsible drinking. Those, they've got responsible drinking cultures over there that mm-hmm. haven't historically destigmatized drinking non-alcoholic beer. It, mm-hmm. People drink beer over there, you know, ethanol or not they're drinking it for the ingredients and the occasion mm-hmm. and they have beers for all occasions and so that's kind of what athletic was doing was making beers for all of the other occasions because at the end of the day you really don't have that many appropriate occasions for ethanol and so you know we saw opportunity there and so that was five years ago we were 0.3 percent of the market and this past year we just cleared two percent in total in all grocery is non-alcoholic beer of the total beer market yeah wow that's wild because when i went to the grocery store it's like there might have been three options to choose from you guys were one of them for non-alcoholic beers it's not like there's a big section but not yet yeah not yet that's interesting yeah so it's still continuing to grow i saw you guys also launched seltzers a little while ago yep yes has that I know that's been a trendy thing. Was that a hard thing to introduce? I mean, a non-alcoholic seltzer is seems, yeah, pretty pop, <laughs> right? Like, uh, so we started making this product. Uh, you know, it's now called Daypack Sparkling Water, and it's a hop-infused yeah. sparkling water. We started making that in the brewery just to drink. 
just, you know, as an alternative and because we have these ingredients around. And so mm-hmm. we started making it and we're like, oh, this tastes really good. And then it kind of like, you know, went down the rabbit hole of our pilot program. And then it was like, oh, I like it too. And then we're like, oh, well, we should start selling this on e-commerce. And so we did and, you know, it was successful. And so it's just, you know, it's another beverage that embraces, you know, quality ingredients. It's a little more dynamic than your average, like fruit, fruited seltzer. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's just another beverage for all sorts of other occasions and anybody can drink it and enjoy it anytime. Yeah. And that's really neat because of your e-commerce site. It's not like you have to launch this product to a bunch of stores and take a big risk. You can put on your site, does great. You know, you can grow with it. And if not, yeah. It's not like you have to invest a whole bunch into experimenting with a new product like that. Exactly. Yeah. So some of our, you know, our now very successful brews have gone down that path or, you know, our third bestseller now was a pilot program beer. That's our free wave hazy IPA. Uh, the Daypack sparkling water is now going to launch in a couple of regions in the U.S. commercially after seeing how it did on the e-commerce platform. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's incredible. What do you feel like are some of the big lessons you've learned about entrepreneurship being a part of this journey with this quickly growing company? One of the things, and I know you and I mentioned this, and I totally forgot to say it up until now, but I'm going to say it now, um, (laughs) was um, one of our, our slogans or taglines early on, which I really enjoyed and still do, was without compromise. Mm -hmm. So like, whatever you do, do it without compromise. And that's also, you know, you can bring that into all of your day's occasions and how you live. And I think that's one of the things I've learned Mm -hmm. is even when things are hard or good, do whatever you're doing without compromise. Yeah. Compromise on quality, just, you know, taking shortcuts. I know uh, on your podcast, one of the things we talked about that I really liked was, it was, I think your description for your podcast was uh, like, what happens when you never settle for less than your crazy ideas? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, yeah. The podcast, that was another one of those times where, you know, we, we hired this guy, Mason Gravely, and he's incredible at what he does. Um, and he earned the title early on of the lead adventurer. And I was like, man, how do I, how do I apply for that job? Um, <laughs> and it just, it sounds so cool, but what he's done there um, with the Without Compromise podcast has been amazing and some great stories there too. Yeah. How do you feel like you guys have built, it sounds like you have a neat culture at your business. Could you explain kind of what that culture is and how you guys were able to form that culture within the organization? Yeah. So, you know, I I think it's internal and external. You know, what we do inside is pretty much the same as we do outside and vice versa. Early on, Bill was at the finish line of every race, handing out brews to build this community of people who wanted to do good things and Mm -hmm. kind of celebrate challenges and successions and or successes and and doing well. And uh, we do that inside our walls too and you know we've got a a bunch of dynamic programs within our company that help people learn and grow as individuals and you know in their careers you know there's career experience we've got a lot of volunteer days that we do for our entire team through our two for the trails program Mm -hmm. people can help you know get people to write in for the trail grants and then our teams will actually go out there physically with the foundations and 
help rebuild the trails or clean up the beach and just improve our world. It's awesome. Yeah. How did that trails organization come about? Was that a, or the trails kind of mission there? Was that something you were passionate about or was that something Bill or one of the other team members have that idea? So that was, that was Bill early on. Bill and I had a lot of kind of time together, obviously early (laughs) on um, and had built some really foundational elements of the business just through discussing what was important to us as teammates and colleagues. And it's like health insurance, that's very important. The environment, trails, like what does the environment mean? And it's, you know, getting out and enjoying nature. It's like, well, how can we, how can we make an impact there? And so, you know, Bill and his brother had this tradition of bringing two brews up to whatever summit they were hiking. And so, you know, be like two for the trail. And so that's kind of where that came from. But it's like, if we can hard code this into our DNA and give back this set amount and have people feel really proud about that within the company and people who are participating by drinking athletic, it would be wonderful. And it's amazing to see the impact that we can have. Yeah, I like that a lot. What tips would you have for entrepreneurs who are just starting out? I know it sounds like you and Bill really formulate a lot of these values early on. What advice would you have for somebody? I, I think that's one of the biggest things. It's um, find something that you're passionate about, first and foremost. If you don't want to do it, it's going to be really hard. Um, yeah. <laughs> like the hard days are going to be really miserable. Yeah, It's hard uh, when you want to do it. So yeah, if you don't want to do it, it's just going <laughs> to... Yeah. yeah, yes. In, invoke something strong, like without compromise, you know, or, or even just that. And just, you know, just decide that you're going to do it really well. And be proud of what you put out and don't cut any corners so that you're not looking in retrospect being like, man, I wish I did that or I should have done that better. You know, make the hard decisions and then also build the team that wants to do the same. Hire people that are better than you at what they do. You know, I, Bill and I will both say that we are supported by just amazing teammates who are experts in their field and we know a little bit about a lot of things and we've got these amazing people who are just like wonderful at what they do mm-hmm. yeah it's good build your team of yeah a bunch of people who are smarter than you yeah and it gives them the opportunity to thrive in what they're good at so it's a, it's a win-win yeah i like it well hey i really appreciate you uh sharing your story sharing your your insights with me today with everybody what's the best way for people to get connected with you and get connected with athletic brewing just go see my aunt Marie. Um, <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> That's a rant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So athleticbrewing.com at athletic brewing is on all the, the social handles and that's probably the best way we've got an app and a store finder and all those easy to use things that you can do on your phone. I like it. And I'll put all that in the show notes and, uh, Hey, I'd recommend for everybody go try out one of these beers. They're they're really good. You feel great the next day. You feel great while you're drinking them. So, John, thanks for coming on here today with me. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your wisdom and just want to applaud you for what you're doing. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having us. Absolutely. 